Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's get to Andrew Tilton. He is with us. Andrew is the chief Asia Pacific economist at Goldman Sachs. We're going to be looking at markets. And I want to start off by the situation uh, with COVID on the mainland. Andrew, your firm is basically saying an exit from this policy that has been in place for, well, since the beginning of the pandemic is going to be very, very messy. How does this end up, do you think? Well, our base case scenario is that they try to keep a lid on COVID during the winter and head for a more orderly reopening in the second quarter of next year. That would give them time for more vaccinations and more health care preparation. There's a risk of, of a disorderly exit, but that's not the scenario we think is most likely. The authorities do need to make a choice soon, though, whether they're willing to allow more cases or whether they're going to tighten restrictions to try to keep COVID under control during the winter. That's really the key there. Which way are they going to go? Regardless, at one point, you would expect some kind of of reopening and and most people pointing to the first quarter or after the first quarter of 2023. What kind of growth do we then see in China's economy when we finally do see that opening, whether or not it's going to be disorderly or not? We can have a burst of strong growth, as we've seen in other economies, that can be in excess of 5 or 6% for a, a year, potentially. It's, it's temporary. That, that pace of growth won't last. But we've seen many economies where we had very strong growth, particularly in the consumer sector and in services, upon reopening. So our growth forecast for next year is 4.5% for the full year, but that's really a very weak first half and a very strong second half given that we're expecting them to start reopening in earnest in the second quarter. We just heard from Ed in that last newscast, the conversation around the wider adoption of Western mRNA vaccines, uh, bearing in mind that within the few last few weeks, Beijing did approve under emergency use the BioNTech vaccine for foreign expats. Does the reopening that you think may occur, is that been built in any way on the notion that we'll get uh, new vaccines delivered to the mainland? There are a lot of new vaccines in in testing and development, and that may help on the margin. But the bigger issue, in our view, is simply that uh, there's a significant fraction of the elderly population that is either unvaccinated or undervaccinated that hasn't received a booster yet. The most important thing is reaching very high levels of vaccination, ideally with booster shots for that population, even 
you know, the, the kind of older generation vaccines can still provide a lot of protection against hospitalization or death. So getting unvaccinated people vaccinated is really the key. Andrew, very quickly, I mean, we're seeing a lot of weakness in the currency, uh, not surprisingly, in about 10 seconds. Do you think that the authorities are going to be concerned about this in the near term? Not hugely. As long as the, the drop is not too precipitous, the export outlook is tough. So a little bit of weakness in the currency, I don't think will bother the authorities too much, as long as it's not a straight line. Curious to get some of your thoughts about uh, growth in the region in 2023, and not surprising you are expecting it to be a little sluggish, and as we know it all depends on China too. But uh, interesting you're saying with the US-China rivalry uh, driving both countries to invest and deepen ties perhaps in the ASEAN region. What growth do you expect there? We are looking for a slowdown over the next couple of quarters as the boost from reopening these economies is fading now. But we do think as, as 2023 gets on, we'll see a reacceleration. You know, some of the impact of monetary tightening will have worked its way through the system. The global manufacturing cycle should be picking up. And uh, the, you know, the, the drag from the, the slowing reopening is, is going to be behind us. So we're, we're looking at reasonably healthy growth, particularly as we get in the back half of the year. You know, particularly in Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, likely to show pretty high rates of growth. So what happens when you take a look at North Asia? I'm thinking Japan, uh, South Korea. What do you see? Well, in the North Asia region, we've seen a bigger impact from the global trade and manufacturing slowdown. You know, these are obviously quite export-oriented economies, particularly when it comes to Korea, Taiwan, uh, a significant slowdown recently related to the tech cycle, uh, a deceleration in in, in semiconductor and, and tech goods output. As we get into next year and we work off excess inventories in some manufacturing sectors, and as the monetary tightening reaches a peak, which we think will probably occur you know, in most economies in early 2023, you know, we should start to see factory activity begin picking up again as, as well. But overall, growth likely to be quite sluggish in the next couple of quarters, particularly in the northern part of the region and particularly in China, given that we expect authorities to keep COVID restrictions pretty tight in the meantime. And that has caused a lot of companies to really assess whether or not they want to be uh, manufacturing in China if they're facing a lot of those headwinds. Who kind of gets the uh, benefit of that? Is it, is it the likes? You mentioned ASEAN countries, uh, Vietnam and, and India too. Yes, ASEAN and India should be big beneficiaries of what some people call the China plus one strategy. To the extent that multinational firms want to have alternative sources of supply, they would probably be looking for lower cost markets in the region, but which also have significant domestic markets of their own. And so a number of ASEAN economies that you mentioned, as well as India, you know, could fit the bill there. And we would expect those economies to receive a bigger fraction of investment going forward. You also have pretty young growing populations in a number of these economies, particularly India, Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines, you know, each with 100 million plus uh, citizens and a, and a relatively young population that's likely to be growing pretty meaningfully for a decade or more still. So we conducted, or I should say the MLive team uh, on the Bloomberg Terminal, they conducted a, a survey indicating that stagflation is the key risk for the global economy in 2023. Would you agree with that? Over the next couple of quarters, we do see slowing growth and still rising inflation. But inflation has already peaked in a few places, particularly in parts of Latin America. And we think it will peak in much of the world over the next quarter or two. So we actually think by the time you get into mid-2023, 
2023, the growth inflation mix will be improving. Growth should be picking up a little, and inflation should be coming down. For now, that mix has been tough. It's been getting worse, and that's been part of the reason why markets have been taking it uh, so tough. But I think as we get into 2023, growth starting to bottom out, inflation coming off a peak, that'll be a better backdrop for asset markets, particularly towards the back end of the year. And just very quickly, any kind of, I guess, real recessionary fears? I mean, you had the RBNZ warning of that itself last week. Certainly with the levels that monetary tightening is getting to, recession risks are elevated. We think about a one-third chance of recession in the U.S. over the coming year. And in Asia, we're running well below normal rates of growth in, in, in China and a few other economies. So recession risks are elevated. The peak recession risk probably in the next few quarters and will clearly be potential spillover effects from the U.S. or Europe if we have a particularly deep recession there. All right, Andrew, we thank you for your time. Andrew Tilton, Chief Asia-Pacific Economist at Goldman Sachs. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.